10 days ago, we received a blockbuster employment report. The Bureau of Labor Statistics announced that U.S. employers collectively added 528,000 jobs in July. The nation's unemployment rate ticked down to 3.5%, equaling the figure in February of 2020, just before COVID undid the economy. As indicated by writer Lydia DePillis, job gains in July were the strongest in five months and were spread across nearly all corners of the economy. The fabulous employment report surprised many economists, in part because just a few days earlier, the government indicated that the nation's output, measured in terms of gross domestic product, shrunk in real terms during the second quarter. That represented the second consecutive quarterly decline in national output, thereby satisfying a technical definition of recession. But adding more than half a million jobs in a single month and driving unemployment lower hardly seems consistent with recession. Not only that, wage growth accelerated in July. According to the latest release, average hourly earnings expanded 15 cents from June to July and are up 5.2% over the past year. In large measure, July's job growth was attributable to still strong consumer spending. Bars and restaurants collectively added 74,000 jobs in July. For WIPR and my esteemed producer Bob White, I'm Aniban Basu. As indicated by CNN Business, Americans are amassing credit card debt as they struggle to keep up with the rapidly rising cost of living. U.S. household debt surpassed $16 trillion for the first time ever during this year's second quarter, according to the New York Federal Reserve. During the quarter, credit card balances expanded by $46 billion, even as borrowing costs surged. Over the past year, credit card debt has leapt by $100 billion, or 13%, the largest percentage increase in more than 20 years. Credit cards typically charge elevated interest rates when balances aren't fully paid off, rendering this an unusually expensive form of debt. Not only are credit card balances rising, but as indicated by writer Matt Egan, Americans opened 233 million new credit card accounts during the second quarter, the most since 2008. High inflation is not only inducing Americans to borrow more aggressively on their credit cards, it is also causing them to dip into their savings. The personal savings rate declined to 5.1% in June, the lowest level since August of 2009. More people in low-income areas are struggling to keep up with credit card debt and auto loans. But the news is not completely grim. A strong employment market is allowing many other Americans to manage their debt. For WYPR and my esteemed producer Bob White, I'm Aniban Basu. As indicated by the Wall Street Journal, food prices are rising around the world. Households in lower income nations typically spend a higher percentage of their income on food. Accordingly, economic pain is disproportionately being felt in these countries. Many agricultural prices have soared because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Ukraine is an agricultural heavyweight thanks in part to a resumption of grain shipments from that besieged nation. Prices for certain commodities have declined recently, but lower costs are unlikely to show up in grocery stores or market stalls for months to come. In America, food costs rose 10.4% from June 2021 to June 2022. The average American household's food expenditures represent a bit more than 7% of total spending. But that's the average household. In 2020, the lowest income households in America spent nearly 30% of their income on food, according to the USDA. 
some nations have been able to stave off high food inflation. Nations like Vietnam and Cambodia are associated with diets based around rice, which hasn't been impacted as much by the war in Ukraine. Other nations have been far less fortunate. In Ethiopia, food prices are up 38% over the past year, and the average Ethiopian household spends 44% of its income on food. For WYPR and my esteemed producer Bob White, I'm Aniban Basu. While many economists and other observers have been debating whether America is in recession, certain matters are not really subject to debate. For instance, it is apparent that many families are suffering the sting of elevated inflation. It is also clear that lower-income households have been most negatively impacted. As indicated by writers Gina Smialik and Ben Castleman, higher-income households built up both savings and wealth during the early stages of the pandemic as they stayed at home and their stocks, homes, and other assets expanded in value. Many of these families have been able to keep spending even during a period of rampant inflation. But data and anecdotes indicate that lower-income households, despite a still strong employment market, are struggling more profoundly with inflation. What's more, the risk of recession remains high going forward. If recession arrives, job loss would surely accompany it. Once again, poor families stand to disproportionately suffer. Lower-wage workers are often the first to see their hours trimmed and their jobs lost. So here's the situation. Poor families are being hit hardest by inflation, often turning to credit cards to finance expenses. And they're the most vulnerable to a recession that may arrive in just a few months. For WYPR and my esteemed producer Bob White, I'm Aniban Basu. When many of us contemplate the notion of a four-day work week, we smile. Having another day to ourselves sounds like a great thing. But it's not just about us. Many environmentalists are pointing out that moving to a four-day work week would help reduce carbon emissions. Research regarding the relationship between hours worked and emissions has been available for decades. As noted by the Washington Post, an analysis of data looking at more than two dozen nations from 1970 to 2007 predicted that if work hours were reduced by 10%, there would be a nearly 15% decline in carbon dioxide emissions. That makes sense when one considers that transportation is the biggest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions and commuting represents a major part of that. In 2020, the transportation sector accounted for approximately 27% of total U.S. greenhouse gas emissions, according to the Environmental Protection Agency. Not coincidentally, when COVID resulted in widespread stay-at-home orders around the world, emissions from driving and flying were dramatically reduced. Air quality in cities around the world improved massively while global emissions plummeted. But the climate benefits of less commuting could be negated if people choose to spend their extra time off traveling. For WYPR and my esteemed producer Bob White, I'm Aniban Basu.